Hey, I'm Jimmy Robinson, and you're listening to Insight China, a China marketing podcast brought to you by Pingpong Digital. It's been a while since our first season, so we've tweaked the formula a little bit, including our brand new name, Insight China. In each episode, we'll be giving you our deep dive insights into a different area of the Chinese market, followed by a quick lowdown on the biggest Chinese marketing news stories you need to know. We'll also have the odd special guest joining us throughout the year. Catch new episodes on all major podcast platforms every month. We're starting this new series by focusing in on a subject that's always been at the core of what we do at Ping Pong Digital: education, specifically China's outbound education sector. But why education, and why now? Well, after three years of the COVID-19 pandemic, feels like a lot longer. I know China is finally opening up. And that is going to have a major impact on the education industry around the world. Despite the difficulties caused by quarantines and closed borders, the pandemic hasn't actually dampened Chinese students' desire to study abroad. In fact, if anything, Chinese students will be keen to get out of China and experience other countries once again, or get a new degree to boost their job prospects to beat the economic slowdown. But Chinese students have changed a lot over the past three years, and universities can't just dive back into doing things the way they were done before. So in this new episode, I'll walk you through what's changed, why it matters, and what universities need to do differently to get the attention of Chinese students. Just a quick note before we dive into this topic. China's COVID policies were changing quickly at the time of recording, and some countries had even started reimposing COVID testing requirements on travelers from China. So the situation may be different by the time you're listening to this, but you can always contact us at Ping Pong Digital to get the latest updates. Deep dive. Like any topic from over the past couple of years, any discussion of education in China. Has to start with the COVID-19 pandemic. China's COVID timeline has been very different to most of the rest of the world. China closed its borders and locked down cities at the start of 2020, and by around June 2020, the domestic spread of COVID had basically been contained. What many refer to as zero COVID. Some international travel resumed, but only a couple of flights were allowed in from each country every week, severely limiting those who could enter and exit China. Throughout 2020 to 2022, however, even the smallest COVID outbreaks were usually met with strict lockdowns, sometimes whole cities. As late as October 2022. The Twentieth Party Congress basically committed to keeping up zero COVID, but then at the end of November, a fire in a residential building in Urumqi that killed ten people provoked protests around China and overly harsh lockdown policies, and the government gradually started to dial things back. So, as of recording, most of China's zero COVID measures have been removed, 
And a lot of people in China have caught COVID as a result. I would say somewhere around 60 to 70% of the people I know in China, especially in big cities like Beijing and Shanghai, have caught COVID since December. COVID disrupted many aspects of daily life in China, but the three that are most relevant to our discussion today are employment, international travel, and of course, education. Many parts of the Chinese economy took a kicking before the country decided to open up this year. Particularly, particularly, I can say that word right, the service sector, and this has put a lot of pressure on the employment market. If they have the means, some people have started to think about retraining in a new industry or getting a foreign degree to give them an extra boost on their CV. Of course, international travel was pretty much off the cards for most of the last three years. Flights were rare due to the circuit breaker mechanism, which saw flights cancelled for several weeks if a certain number of positive cases were found on board. And even if you could find and afford a flight to where you wanted to go, you'd have to face up to 21 days of hotel quarantine when you got back to China. But many were put off travel anyway by a state media narrative that painted China as the only safe island in an ocean of COVID. Finally, the massive move to online learning and lack of flights during these early years of the pandemic has put a lot of Chinese students off from applying to overseas universities. After all, why pay top dollar for a program in the US or the UK if you'll be taking courses on your laptop, in your bedroom, in China, in the middle of the night, and still paying the same fees? Joint education programs with Chinese universities such as the University of Nottingham Ningbo or Xi'an Tong Liverpool University, have gone some way to helping with this. But then universities in China often ended up moving online anyway if a couple of COVID cases were found in the city. So it's been a tricky couple of years, to say the least. But some of the changes to the study abroad market in China can actually be traced back to before the pandemic. In recent years, there has been an ongoing cultural shift in the way young Chinese people view success. They push back against the extreme pressure they face at school and in the first few years of their careers. It's basically a similar thing to what has been called quiet quitting in the West. But Chinese internet users have, of course, come up with a load of tongue-in-cheek terms for it. For example, you've got the closest analogue to quiet quitting, laying flat, tangping, which means only working as much as you need to, being content with what you have not participating in society or the economy in the way that they want you to. Then there's involution, neijuan, a redefinition of an anthropological, that's a really hard word to say, anthropological, <laughs> from the 1960s, which young Chinese people used to mean the feeling that if you don't work hard or participate in Chinese society, you won't move forward. But then, when you do work hard, you don't see results. Despite all of this, the demand for study abroad opportunities has demonstrated surprising resilience. 
pandemic or not, the factors that have traditionally made Chinese students interested in studying abroad have never really gone away. Whether that's the assumption, right or wrong, that overseas returnees get the best jobs and the highest salaries, a desire to avoid China's rigorous rote-based teaching methods, or simply parental pressure. I've been really happy to see that UK higher education has weathered the pandemic particularly successfully, and we're attracting more Chinese students than ever. There were over 143,000 students from China in the UK in 2021, more than a third the total number of international students. In fact, the UK has overtaken the US as the most popular destination for Chinese students, with the UK seeing a 1.5% rise in the number of Chinese students between 2019 and the 2020 academic year and the 2020 and 2021 academic year. And the US has seen a 15% decrease during the same period. In a 2021 study by New Oriental, 44% of respondents expressed an interest in studying in the UK, compared to only 32% who expressed an interest in studying in the US. In fact, Brand USA has suffered in China because of unfavourable visa policies, the tense geopolitical atmosphere and safety fears caused by issues such as gun violence. This has affected the ability of US universities and colleges to attract Chinese students, which has opened up a window of opportunity for the UK education sector, for the Canadian education sector and of course the Australian one, including other markets as well. The UK kept issuing student visas throughout the course of the pandemic, and Chinese students were also attracted by the fact that a master's degree in the UK only takes one year. UK universities have also recognised the importance of good digital marketing to attract Chinese students, with 100% of the top 100 universities on WeChat, which, of course, I'm happy to say, Ping Pong Digital has played no small part in. The US, however, lags behind this, with less than 50% of the top 100 universities on Chinese social media. A lot of UK universities have also been really successful at finding a niche and marketing hard in that niche on Chinese social media. This means that even lower ranked universities if they're known for excellence in a particular field like fashion or medicine, can build a really strong awareness with Chinese students. This connects to another change that we've been seeing in the China study abroad market, which is that students are increasingly savvy about what they want to study and where. Students are no longer sticking a pin in the top 10 of the Times Higher Education or US News rankings and saying that'll do. That's not to say that rankings aren't important, because they definitely still are. But more and more students are thinking vocationally about how their overseas education will serve them in the future. Crucially, whether it represents good value for money. At the same time, we're seeing an increasing number of people taking career breaks and going abroad to pursue a postgraduate education and executive education, either to consolidate their current career 
or to retrain or, or reskill. So where do we go from here? As China reopens, the next couple of years, particularly the next six months, are likely to bring a lot of uncertainty for higher education around the world. To make sure that they're ready to win back Chinese students, universities need to work smarter, not harder. There are a number of steps that they can take to do this. The first step is to reassess your digital marketing strategy. It's no secret that you need to be on WeChat and Weibo if you want to connect with Chinese students. But what kind of content actually attracts their attention? It's not enough to just be on Chinese socials sharing news and announcements these days. You've got to create content that really celebrates what your university or school is all about to stand out from the crowd. It also helps to show that you understand Chinese students and Chinese culture, which you can do by celebrating festivals like Chinese New Year or even Chinese Valentine's Day. And if you didn't know that Chinese have their own Valentine's Day, this is a perfect example of why you need help to plan these things out. But you also don't need to limit yourself to Weibo and WeChat. Q&A knowledge sharing platform Zhuhu, which is a bit like China's Quora, is a popular place to find out about universities and the, the whole study abroad experience. While Xiaohongshu, also known as Little Red Book or Just Red, can be a great tool for softer brand building and image cultivation. Another thing that I have started to encourage universities to do is to reassess their course offering in relation to Chinese students. Which of your courses are the most popular to Chinese students? What can you do to improve those courses? What subjects are popular with Chinese students at other universities? And could you create courses in those subjects? Specialized courses in fields like tech or pharmaceuticals could be taught in partnership with big Chinese companies to help drum up interest in the industry, for example. As I mentioned earlier, this can really help universities that don't place highly in rankings like QS or Times Higher Education to stand out and build a name for themselves. It also relates back to what I was talking about earlier with Chinese students getting more practically minded in their approach to choosing a course. And it's worth looking into skills-based courses targeted at Chinese students. So in conclusion, the main thing I'd like higher education providers to take away from this discussion is that you can no longer rest on your laurels when it comes to attracting students from China. Countries like the US and the UK will always be popular with Chinese students. That's just a reality. And high-ranked universities will always get a lot of applications. But there's no doubt that the field is getting smaller and a lot more competitive. It's really key to stay up to date with what Chinese students want and what they're talking about, what they're interested in, and make your recruitment strategies flexible based on that. Of course, it goes without saying, Ping Pong Digital is ready and waiting to help you with this. And in fact, I'm going to talk a little bit more about our new approach to education in just a second. Three things from China that you should know about. Now, 
it's time for my roundup of the China news you need to know about this month. Obviously, the biggest news is China's COVID policy 180. From zero COVID to apparently just let it spread? At the time of recording, China has downgraded COVID-19 from a Category A infectious disease, which is the highest level, to a Category B, meaning that people who catch it no longer need to be quarantined, including travellers from abroad. Now, most cities have already gotten rid of the need to have a negative COVID test to get into restaurants or other venues. And the health code looks to be going the same way. While this is definitely good news for companies and educational institutions looking to go into business with China, it will cause a lot of uncertainty in the short term. Next, China is known for having its own tech ecosystem, one that's pretty separate from the rest of the world if you hadn't already figured that out. But recently, some of the biggest Chinese tech companies have been making a push into the West. We've all heard of TikTok and Alibaba, but now e-commerce platform Pinduoduo has joined the fray with a shopping site called Timu, T-E-M-U, targeting the American market. I personally find the design of the site a bit messy. But there are lots of products on sale and they are definitely very cheap, which could also be a big challenge to websites and big industry players like Amazon. But let's wait and see. Finally, the China release of Avatar, The Way of Water, which I actually still haven't seen yet. Again, by the time you've listened to this, I hope that I have seen it, but I haven't yet. Um, But the release of this on the 16th of December didn't, unfortunately, revitalize the Hollywood-China relationship in the way that many had hoped, taking just $57 million at the box office in its opening weekend. To be honest, that would be a good number if Avatar 2 wasn't one of the most anticipated films of the decade from one of the world's most famous directors. But we'll see how many Hollywood blockbusters get the go-ahead for releasing China in 2023. And if movie companies are going to keep trying to even break into the China market. Okay, here is a company update. Whilst I've got you here, I want to tell you about an exciting new update from Ping Pong Digital. In order to best serve our education clients, we have decided to launch Beyond Education. It is a new brand that would expand on the services our clients have already had so much success with to help education providers go the extra mile in a changing post-pandemic education market. We'll be building on our existing expertise to offer services in new areas such as course design, digital product development, online and offline student community management, events, and much, much more. In addition to a decade of experience, our new brand will be supported by our proprietary analytics software, which we have been working on for almost two years. With the data we can extract, utilizing these tools, we know we can create 
many more success stories for our partners over the coming year and beyond. I'll be talking a lot more about this brand in the coming months. I'll be talking a lot more about this brand in the coming months. So be sure to keep an eye on our ping pong digital socials for more information. Well, we are reaching the end. Thank you so much for joining me to discuss the past, present and future of Chinese students studying abroad. While the situation right now is bright for higher education in countries like the UK, Canada and Australia, especially with China likely to lift the last of its COVID restrictions in the near future, there is some evidence the number of Chinese students who want to go abroad to study will peak very soon. Changing attitudes and the increase of competitiveness, that's always a little bit of a tongue twister as well, of Chinese universities will mean that universities around the world will need to work harder and smarter to attract and retain Chinese students. So, what do universities need to do? To recap, develop a more creative, holistic digital marketing strategy on newer platforms like Xiaohongshu, create new courses that fit with the changing interests and attitudes of Chinese students, and explore skills-based training. If you're a returning subscriber, I'm super glad to have you back with us. And if you're a new listener, we're looking forward to exploring more China insights with you over the coming year. If you liked the episode, please remember to subscribe. And if you have any feedback or comments, please feel free to get in touch with us on Twitter, LinkedIn, or of course at pingpongdigital.com. I'll be back next month to talk about China's post-COVID reopening in more detail. A look at how countries should be preparing for the return of Chinese tourists and review some of this year's best Chinese New Year marketing campaigns. Speak to you next time.